What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. By our, and this is his words, not ours, our official gay fan, Rudy. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Boy of Stone. Uh, he's a very active person on our Facebook page. Uh, so definitely go follow him. He's he's cool. He's always sending us suggestions, and we're probably going to be covering one of his movies in early 2017 that he suggested. So look forward to that. But that is for later. Let's talk about right now and start with this week's movie. <laughs> and check out the worst party you've ever been to. What do you get when you get a room full of punks? You keep them up for three days and force them to dance? Well, you get a really shitty show. But what if you mix in a terrible actress, a bunch of dumb-as-fuck cops, and an awful, awful serial killer? Well, then you get New Year's Evil. Hope you're wearing your fancy undies because this movie's about to bore the pants off you. (sighs) Yeah, so, like, whatever... Uh, this is horror movie something. Who knows? Welcome to Horror Movie Night, and we're going to talk about New Year's Evil, which I believe came out in 1981. <laughs> um, it's 1980. 1980. All right. So this was uh, this was pretty early on. Um, this movie's kind of weird. I was reading a bunch of the reviews that came out for New Year's Evil, and uh, <laughs> it's like. Uh, it was ter- like it got like nothing but bad reviews, which isn't shocking if you've watched the movie. 
but it was like these bad reviews that still had like a lot of positive things to say about it. Like Roger Ebert gave this movie one and a half stars, but in his review was also like, but that being said, it's nice to see a movie that just goes for like a very simple, like suspense thriller angle in this day of like smack you in the face with gore uh, effects and stuff like that. And I'm like, I don't totally disagree with that. I, I feel like, this is a really bad movie that could have been a really good movie if it just had any type of energy injected into it. Yeah, this even the punks are like, oh, we're hopped up on amphetamines, but man, we're tired. <laughs> Dude, there's that scene where there's like just a blues guitar playing and it's just slow dancing, but it's like the most forced slow dancing I've ever yeah. seen. Yeah, they're like push moshing to, to a, like a relaxing song. Well, I guess the idea is that this party is going on for, like, what, like, six or four seven hours? hours. Four well, hours. Yeah, but then in the end, okay, what is, so we got, fuck, I don't even know the time zones. I know it ends with Hawaii. Hawaii is the last time zone that we hit, right? Well, I think they oh, were planning I, to end I, on I, the California. They were going to yeah, end on yeah, California. Yeah, but then in the uh, the um, ambulance at the end, it says Hawaii. It says Finally, that's it for the show, everybody. Uh, Happy New Year's from Hawaii. That's what it says in, on, like, on the radio in the ambulance. Oh. Yeah, but that's not, that doesn't mean that, that they said that they were going to do four out. I'm pretty sure they said four time zones. Yeah, so because they started at like eight o'clock or seven o'clock. So the implication um, in California, I think the implication is that like his plan was to kill her in California at midnight on New Year's Eve in California, and then he kills himself, but the son is like, well, there's one more time zone left that I have to kill to kill her. Okay, okay. No, that makes sense. Well, I was going to say the implication is that these punks have been listening to Made in Japan for four hours, <laughs> and that would fucking train the energy out of Dude, anybody. I, I, hey, you can say a lot of shit about this movie. You keep this soundtrack... <laughs> Out of your mouth, you these, dirty bitch. Dude, these songs... I At first I thought it was just a theme song that I liked, but no, if there's an actual New Year's Evil soundtrack, I will purchase it, because I enjoyed yeah. all of the music in this movie. Yeah, <laughs> I did it's too. awesome. I did too, but it's that, that, it's that genre of punk that really was trying to like bite the Clash's style, and just they all had the same sort of vocal. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah, because that's all there was that was making money for, as far as <laughs> punk goes. Unless you just went straight new wave, like <laughs> um, yeah. But th so the, that's the funniest thing about the fact that this is like a music fueled film is that they fuck up the whole genre style that they're talking about when when um what's her name Bla Blaze who is. The most unsexy, sexy hostess ever. <laughs> she uh, looks like she's like sixty. <laughs> like, yeah, she's like, got like a thirty-year-old son. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that was a really strange suggestion. Whoever was like, okay, we're writing this movie. We want to have an old woman be the the female protagonist, but she can't be sexy, and she has to have a twenty-some-year-old son. That doesn't make any sense to me because she has to be at least in her mid forties. Yeah, but she looks like she's fifty. But like, and then she's like, her outfits suck. But um, the uh, okay, all right. I wrote it down because I was so confused. I mean, this is the third time I've watched this movie, and every time I'm like, God damn it, I hate this line. Um, it's that they're counting down the year's best 
new wave hard rock, <laughs> which is like, it's completely opposite of pretty much anything that this movie has for, for you to listen to. Uh, but like, I, I'm thinking, is this the same kind of stuff that they would have put on the uh, all in caps punk compilation that we talked about a couple oh, months oh, ago? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> now, you know what? The music from this movie is too punk for that punk compilation. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so the the thing with this movie though that's also kind of interesting to me is like like you said like the only marketable punk music really at this time was like the Clash and the Ramones type stuff, right? But we're being led to believe that that genre of music is popular enough to negate a four hour televised concert that like I don't yeah. think would have drawn that much attention at that time. Like it would have like everybody in America is watching Dick Clark. <laughs> like that's what's happening. And there's like eight people that are watching this on TV and being like, huh, that guy threatened to kill somebody. <laughs> I'm confused. There's some things that confused me about the plans of this film. The first thing being, uh, is the killer the, the killer talks about how he's like gonna kill somebody in each time zone right yeah like the way that that reads to me is that they thought that he was going to to be in each time zone right not killing one of them at like the yeah, I, but he would I'm, have I'm no way okay. he would have no way to pull that off right that's what i'm saying yeah, it's like i'm just so confused about it yeah, well, originally he just said, I'm going to kill someone at midnight, and then... Yeah, but the, were they, weren't they, like, confused trying to figure out um, where he was? And I thought that he was in New York for the first killing. No, I, I think he was in... I thought that, too, because they were like, oh, he's in Florida Springs. But, no, I think he was in yeah, L.A. the whole time. Yeah. Well, IMDb seems to be confused about that as well, because if you read the plot synopsis, it says um, a brutal killing happens on the other side of the country. Yeah, okay. They're I in thought California, so and he killed someone over on the East Coast or whatever, right? But it it all seems like he's in the same, like he's in L.A. the whole time. It all looks like L.A. It's... It's nice and warm everywhere he is. How is he in New York if it's fucking like balmy and warm outside? Well, that doesn't make any sense. It's it's December thirty first. So we've been jumping all around this movie. We haven't even really started with the beginning of this movie. And I do want to call attention to something that happens very early on in this movie, uh, and it is the stellar performance <laughs> of the cop collecting tickets outside the club. <laughs> He's just. Tickets. <laughs> no, the best tickets. Thing, the, the best thing about that guy's um, performance is the fact that he's wearing a real mustache and not an electrical tape mustache. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the other thing this movie does that I think is kind of interesting is that it's one of the only ones that I can think of where you see the killer's face from like the start. Like, there's no mystery on who the killer is. The only mystery is like. What like who is this person? Like he's kind of this. You you know what he looks like. It's not. It's, he's not wearing a hockey mask or or you know a, a ghost face mask or. There's no weird shots of POV, so you don't see who it is. Like right up front, you see what the killer looks like, 
and you know when someone's about to die because it's that guy with like a fake mustache or a wig sitting with those people. You're like, okay, yeah. this is this is about to go down. I don't feel like the reveal that it's her husband is really the most like earth shattering discovery <laughs> at all. Um, yeah, that, that's interesting. Um, <laughs> that, I feel like that's kind of par for the course of this movie because um, this whole movie is just like gotcha, yeah. but everybody's but everybody's too tired to care. Yeah, like it just know. seems like it's it, it thinks that it's quicker witted and funnier than it actually is. There are like these moments of actual to me like just complete brilliance and bizarreness. Uh, the my number one favorite scene is when it cuts to her son and he just kind of takes a stocking and cuts it and puts it over his head and then he just says, "I think I have a mental disorder," <laughs> and then it just cuts away and like that's the entire scene. Like there's these weird. It does a lot of weird shit, especially with like the editing perspective of the way it'll just cut to things. Like there's. A moment where it literally just cuts to a drummer pointing the drumstick at the audience, and then it just cuts away. Like it, it does these weird, like I don't even know how to describe it. I wouldn't even call it fourth wall breaks. It just has this very weird style to it that I, even though I know the movie's boring, I get drawn into just how weird everything is about it. Like it's, it definitely is a movie that. In the same sense of, like, to compare it to Sleepaway Camp for a second, because you mentioned the electrical mustache. Yeah. It's part of that, like, really early 80s slasher wave where they they hadn't created the, like, the 100% formula yet. So everyone was trying to do their own unique twist on it. And I think this was just a really bad attempt at a unique twist on it. But it, it, like, it works in some senses, and then it just fucking is a snooze fest in others. Well, two things. One, can we start a band and call it Electric Mustache? Yeah. And, uh, secondly, the, his his motivation for killing these individual people is almost non-existent. It's almost like he could have sat in a car uh, with a gun and then just looked at a watch every once in a while and been like, oh, midnight, and hung out the window and just shot some girl. And it would have... It's all the well, same to him. Like it's almost like he doesn't give a shit who he's killing. The first one, though, I think was important because um, it, it was a girl that uh, worked at the the sanitarium. Yeah, sanitarium that um, that he was in or the son was in. I can't quite remember. It was him. What, it was the husband that was there. Okay. Yeah. So um, that one makes sense, but the rest. Could be anybody, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. But also, like, so I feel like when he puts on the, he puts on the, I guess it's the show, and it's like, everybody's going crazy in New York. I still feel like he's in New York State when um, he kills her in the sanitarium because... She does not bat an eye that it's like midnight in another time zone. Uh, it just is very because I every time I watch this movie, I'm like, okay, where is he? Is he just in California this whole time? Because it seems like it, but I mean, it seems like logistically it would have to be, but 
I don't know. I, I it's, I'm so I'm so confused. Yeah, it's it's definitely like I said. I don't I don't think they spent a whole lot of time crafting this. You know what I mean? <laughs> like this. Yeah, this was just coke fueled. Yeah, well, and it's like it's called it's called night uh, uh, night. Uh, it's called New Year's Evil Evil Evil. But it's like it's definitely in that sense of like, okay, we've done Halloween, we've done Black Christmas, we've done Friday Thirteenth. What's another? Quick, just write another holiday slasher. Like, yeah, pretty much. So like, I feel like that was the extent of the writing concept was coming up with the name New Year's Eve, and then going yeah. from that. <laughs> but well, I mean, so you're you're probably not wrong because this is a canon film, and we know Gollum and Glovis don't really give a <laughs> fuck about anything. <laughs> But yet, well, you had so pointed you out. You had pointed out to us before we started recording. Like this is the the ultimate worst, though, because not only is it a canon film, but it's kind of a boring canon film. Like it doesn't have it the, really the insanity is. of like Life Force. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's nothing compared to Life Force. I mean, and it also doesn't have a hot woman in it, it for seven minutes. Um, but I guess that my biggest problem with this is didn't Terra Train come out? A year before this, anyway. It might have been the same year, honestly. It's <laughs> <laughs> a weird noise you made, Scott. Okay, nineteen eighty. And let's just be real here: Terra Train is pretty shit as well. Yeah, I mean, I think if I had to watch one of these two movies on New Year's Eve, uh, I would pick Terra Train. But... Oh yeah, of course. But, uh, I mean, I would be upset that I wasn't hearing someone say, evil. Evil. (laughs) God damn it. That's the best part of this. (laughs) That's the only reason I think we picked this movie was every, there was a couple choices we had, but every single time we got to the name New Year's evil, we had to say it like this. (laughs) I'm just so confused by the device that he uses to change his voice into the phone. It was a rubber chicken. It looks like he's got like a thing (laughs) in his mouth, like right up in his mouth that he's using. Yeah, I thought it was a vocoder. Yeah, but then then later on, it looks like he's just holding like a pen somewhere, sort of close to the mouthpiece of the phone, and that's changing his voice. And I was like, "What happened to the whole like thing you had earlier?" The first thing it looks like he has like a kazoo in his mouth. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I thought. Or he had like you know comb and a piece of wax paper or something. I had no idea what was going. I, I'm going to throw this out there. I'm wondering if this movie inspired the uh, I'm talking through a rubber chicken joke the following year in Student Bodies. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I might have. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot to go off on this. There, I don't think there has been a legitimately good New Year's horror movie. Uh, but damn it, for the next couple years, we'll try. <laughs> uh, but I don't really have – like I have literally three notes and it was great opening song. I think I have a mental disorder and showing the killer's face the whole time is an interesting choice. Like that's it. That's all I can think of. I, and I literally watched this movie an hour ago. It is fresh in my brain and that's the best that I can come up with. Um <laughs> it, It's just ah. such a weird – it's such a weird, bland, forgettable movie. Well, here's the thing. If in the end we had gotten a really cool elevator death, because they were lined up for it, if she had like got squashed between two elevators or got torn in half by the elevators or something like that, 
they they kind of maybe would have saved the movie for me but as it stands like she gets uh, she goes like up down up down screams a little sees a head and then gets pulled out of the elevator i'm like okay well fuck you yeah, she's basically nothing. just doing the tower of terror at that point <laughs> <laughs> and then they put her in an ambulance cuz i imagine her wrists probably hurt after <laughs> Got to go to the hospital and get some fucking ointment. No, what? There's one thing I want to call out. I really like the mask at the end of this movie, and I don't know why. That like really overly exaggerated, like Nixon looking. Yeah, like whatever that shit was. And I love the uh, because I just love any like jumping off a building suicide where you can tell that it's a mannequin being thrown down there. That's so good. Oh my god, that's so good. Like there's no body movement whatsoever. Just. So I have a question though about uh, about the ending here. So people see the guy fall from the top of this skyscraper, Hollywood this Hotel. <laughs> yeah, and then and he's wearing the mask. I guess that we can assume that there would be blood all over the inside of that mask because he probably spewed his guts out of his mouth when he got flattened. But ignoring that, we still have the fact that. His psycho son takes the mask off while people are like, "Like, oh my god, what happened?" Oh. so so people see him. So first of all, they see a dead body wearing this fucked up mask. Second of all, they see somebody take the mask off of the dead body. Third, people are watching the ambulance drive away with somebody wearing the mask. Yeah, and they nobody nobody has any questions about that. Okay. Yeah, when it cuts to him in the front seat, there is like seven or eight people clearly looking at him through the window. <laughs> it's like, tell somebody, tell a cop. If you see something, say something. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, and the other big thing in that whole scenario is like, let's not get into the gory details of what happens when someone jumps from that high off to a. Uh, to the, the pavement below, because I definitely remember as a child accidentally visiting Rotten.com and seeing that. But like, oh, yeah, okay. But, like, let's be honest. The inside of that mask would not be fit for any human being to put their face into, <laughs> like, at yeah. all. Oh, yeah. Um, no, when he pulled that mask off, he would have probably took a lot of him with it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, shit. I, I, I just want to say that the only trivia that's on IMDb is... Uh, it's about producers. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gollin and Golbus are, are put as producers and executive producers, and so somebody else. But and, and then it just says, yeah, but this other guy actually did 90% of the work. He just wasn't credited. <laughs> it's like, oh, man, this just makes me want to watch fucking Electric 2 again. Like, it makes me want to watch... Dude, Electric um, Boogaloo I could watch over and over and over again what's up everybody this is brian here to tell you about our podcast binge town tv our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television we cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi but also dip our feet into drama horror comedy and pretty much anything we think is good television we use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week but our calling card is our rooks and vets and pitch town tv series rooks and vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show 
Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Pasta Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. All right, so that is New Year's Eve. Uh, what have you guys been watching this week? Because, as you know, the last couple <laughs> weeks we've been campaigning for our picks, and we haven't really talked about what we've been watching. So uh, what do you guys got? Anything good? Oh, man, this is going to be a tough one. Um, so Megan and I have actually been burning through tons of um, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, we're uh, two-thirds of the way through season two now. Um, finally broke her down enough that she wanted to start watching it. And we were going real good for about two weeks there where we were just watching like two, burning through two episodes every night. And um, now we're kind of where a lot of the stuff is just about to culminate. But Megan's very mad at Grant Ward's character, the, the Grant Ward character. And so she's, I think that she needed to take a break for a couple of days. So, Last night we watched Velvet Goldmine. Have you guys seen that movie? Yeah, it's pretty good. Oh my god, that movie's ridiculous. It's also one of Megan's favorite films. Um, it, Adam, have you ever even heard of it? Never even heard of it. Okay, uh, let me give you the short version. So, Ewan McGregor plays a rock star named Kurt Wilde, who is basically Mick Jagger slash Iggy Pop. Jonathan Rhys Myers plays a character named Brian Slade, who is basically David Bowie. Um, and it's about the very late 70s, early 80s, or I'm sorry, very very late 60s, early 70s glam rock, um, like original glam rock bands in, in uh, well, it's, it's England and America. So, um, and it's very, very obviously um, kind of like a, wink wink nudge nudge about Mick Jagger and David Bowie and their possible romance um, and the music that they made together but it's uh, I believe written and directed by Baz Luhrmann who's the guy that did um, uh, he did Moulin Rouge yeah right and and Uh, the Romeo and Juliet that's right and he also did the get down which was a Netflix original series that I think came out this spring Um, he's got a very specific style he's kind of crazy Velvet Goldmine is kind of a very homoerotic film. I mean, it's obviously a very homoerotic film because it's about kind of like, oh, Christian Bale's in it as a closeted gay guy um, that is trying to write a story about the disappearance of Brian Slade 10 years earlier. Um, But there's just also Oscar Wilde is an alien and they're quoting Oscar Wilde throughout the movie. And there's this pin that different gay guys give to each other and it makes them fabulous. 
Um, it's as weird as it sounds. It's a great film. It's got tons of great music. Oh, Placebo, the band Placebo, is um, the main backing band throughout it. It's, it's a weird movie. But we watched that last night. That's like the fourth, third or fourth time I've watched that movie. And it doesn't get easier to watch. It's still very confusing and odd. Um, I, we, we, uh, I went on a little Christmas horror binge and watched um, Christmas Evil and um, Silent Night, Deadly Night 1 and 2. All, all, delif- all delightful. Yeah, Christmas Evil is actually like a very like uh, if it's the one I'm thinking of, it's actually a very well made, dark, dark. It's, it's horror very dark. Movie. It's it's like a character study more than a horror flick. Um, it's just like uh, very slow. It's such a slow burn. It took me like two and a half evenings to make it through because I was like. You know, I'd watch and then I'd be, I'd be like, oh, I'm tired. I'm going to go to sleep, <laughs> you know, but um, it's it's a really well-made movie. It's very disturbing, really, because it's a little bit too real. Yeah. It's about a guy who basically watches everyone around him and has a naughty and nice list. And then he decides to kill people who are naughty. Um, it's but it's also kind of follows that same formula of. Like, I saw some fucked up shit happen to Santa <laughs> when I was a kid, so now I'm going to do some fucked up shit on Christmas. Um, but yeah, it, it's on Shudder um, in America, at least. I don't know. Um, I don't know if it's in Canada or not. But Adam doesn't even, you know, he doesn't pay for movies anyway, so there we go. Nope. Also, thank God we watched Elves and not a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> No, I think that we got our money's worth out of watching Elves, all right? No, it's a it's a pretty top-notch episode. And I, I'm <clears throat> I'm going to throw this out there for next year. I think especially seeing the reaction to the one poll that was posted on Facebook, I think we got to do the the uh the Black Christmas remake from 2006 next year. Dude, yes, I am all about that because <laughs> I would really like to pe- to have a conversation about how it's not as bad as people think it is. No, it's not, but it's batshit crazy. <laughs> like it is batshit crazy. Um all right, so I'm only going to talk about a few things that I watched. Uh three things in particular. Thing number 1 is I finally got around to watching Krampus and uh I thought it was okay. That's it. <laughs> like I'm not I wasn't like gushing over it. I don't think it's amazing. I don't love it the same way that I I don't think Kramp- Wait, 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 wait. Did you just say gushing over it? Cuz oh, that's yeah. gross. Oh man. yeah. <laughs> that's what I said. Um it is not going to become a must-watch every Christmas the way that I feel trick or treat has become for Halloween to me. Uh so you know, it was all right. I, I, but I'm glad that Michael Doherty got to make a movie that was financially successful, since like Trick or Treat basically was like feels like it was sabotaged from the start to never make uh, money. Um, so that was cool. Why is that? Well, because have you ever heard the whole story of that? No. So Please Mike, explain. I'm not being an asshole. Okay. So so the guy who wrote Trick or Treat also wrote Superman Returns, and the deal behind it was. We know you want to do this horror movie. We'll give you uh, all the money that you need, and we'll give you like unlimited creative control to make whatever horror movie you want. But you have to write Superman Returns for us in uh, as well. And he's like, "All right, fine." So he wrote Trick or Treat. 
He wrote Superman Returns. He made Trick or Treat. Superman Returns came out. Didn't get like the didn't do very well in the box office. So the studio just refused to put Trick or Treat out as like a punishment for him not making a financially successful Superman movie. And it just sat on a shelf for like three years. People kept asking, like, when is this going to come out? And then they just kind of silently put it out on DVD one year without, like, any big, like, advertising for it. Um, like, trick or Treat, really? Yeah. Trick wow, or Treat. blowing my mind. Yeah, it never got, like, a theatric release or anything. And a lot of huh. people always felt like, well, this dude got robbed because he made one of the first legitimately good horror movies in a long time that probably would have been a blast to see in theaters. Um, yeah. So Krampus was his first, like, legit theatric release, and it actually made a lot of money. So it was like, okay, cool. Hopefully this means that he'll get to do more movies. Um, so even though I don't love it, I think it's good. I don't think it's a bad movie. I just don't love it the way that I think a lot of people loved it. I know uh, Adam was kind of disappointed by it, right? Yeah. And then I saw Green Room recently, which was awesome. Uh, Green Room Green Room is fucking amazing. Um I have not been more on the edge of my seat in a while. It's one of the few films that had a moment that I literally screamed out loud over. Uh, and it's just got an awesome cast. Uh, so that, That's that the is, one with like Patrick Stewart and stuff, right? Yeah, Patrick Stewart plays the head of a neo-Nazi. Uh, yeah, and, they, and they, they sing Nazi punks fuck off. Yeah, at a Nazi bar. Not, yeah. the, not the smartest move. Uh, it also, the band consists of Anton Yelchin, and uh, maybe Rest from peace, bro. and uh, maybe from Arrested Development. Uh, Wait, is that like the the antithesis? Like, is that the like starting point of that movie? Is they th- they sing Nazi punks and then they get <laughs> yeah yeah that's literally like, like literally they realize that they're playing in a Nazi bar and they're like hey do you know it'd be really funny and they go up and perform Nazi punks fuck off as their opening song uh, and the club kind of turns <laughs> turns on them. Um, but it's more so that they they witness a murder, and that's the the whole situation from that point is witnessing the murder. Uh, one of the main Nazis, and this is such a minor role, but it makes me laugh regardless. The one of the main Nazis who's like the the muscle is a uh, he's the obnoxious neighbor from the first couple episodes of Parks and Recreation that's always picking on uh, Andy. He like steals Andy's radio. When Andy's taking a bath in the kiddie pool outside, and he's always in the uh, town hall meetings causing a ruckus. I can't remember his character's name in Parks, but like he plays such a dramatic. I can't either, but I, I I can picture the face. Yeah, he's like one of the main Nazis, and it's just such a dramatic change of character for him to go from like a wacky comedy to to that. And the guy actually made the the director of Green Room is the guy who directed the movie Murder Party, which I think I've talked about previously. Is like. One of my yeah, once or twice. yeah, one of my favorite like underrated movies. Um, and then the last thing is for the blog because I'm bringing back the uh, Every Damn Movie blog in January. I took a brief hiatus from doing it to focus on a little bit of screenplay writing. Um, I just binged through the entire series of Daria, and I highly recommend anybody who grew up on Daria doing that because it holds up insanely well, uh, and it is. As insane as this is going to sound, the most realistic depiction of high school I think has ever been put on television is the Dari animated series. <laughs> um, better than any live action teen series, Daria completely nails the teachers, the 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 students, all of that stuff perfectly. Uh, so I highly recommend 
uh, I think it's on you uh, on Hulu. Uh, if you have a chance, revisit all of it because it's all great. It it definitely has more uh, sentimental moments in it than I remember, um, but still being very funny and and quick with it. All right, Adam, take us home. Uh, finale of Westworld, fucking amazing. Everything I wanted out of that show. Uh, hey, Adam, should we watch Westworld? Um. <laughs> uh... Yes, I would suggest it to both of you, actually. <laughs> nah, Pete and Pete it is. <laughs> <laughs> you read my mind. Uh, that was fucked coming. Um, I don't know what to do with myself now. I have no idea what to watch. I'm watching, like, new Bob's Burgers and stuff, but I don't have anything interesting going on. Watch I, Daria. I, they <laughs> just released, like, a little, little sneak peek thing for Preacher, because that's going to be coming back sooner rather than later. And then I can bitch about that again. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> well, that was New Year's Evil from 1980. Uh, as always, you can contact evil. evil. As always, you can contact us at hmnpodcast at gmail dot com. Let us know what movies you would like to see us discuss. Uh, the polls are in, guys. You want to know what we're talking about? You want to know what people ended up voting for? Okay. Beastmaster. So, it's Beastmaster, so isn't it? It was it was really close. It was real close. And Beastmaster had an early lead for almost the entire poll, but apparently my speech <laughs> on why I picked Suburban Commando gave me the edge. And with four votes over Beastmaster, we will be watching the Hulk Hogan classic Suburban Commando next week. Ah. <laughs> That's fine. You know what? That's fine because I got my next year picked out and it's going to fucking kill. <laughs> hey, man, I'm just saying if you did Beastmaster again next year, I think it would have a good chance because I don't know what the fuck I'm going to pick for next year. Um, oh, man. I'm just going to watch Beastmaster myself. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to – I was, I've been meaning to purchase Beastmaster, so if it had won, that was going to be my, my excuse to add it to my DVD collection. Let's um, watch it and talk about it like in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yes. Oh, when like, we come like down we fucking... – No, wait, wait, wait. I got it. This is what we do. We're like, yeah, yeah, we'll do Suburban Commando, and then we do Suburban Commando and Beastmaster. <laughs> nah, that would be mean. Adam wouldn't get to talk about what women won. <laughs> Fuck you! I'll just sit there and talk about it, regardless of whether you want me to or not. I figured out. I just figured out why Adam has been harping on what women want for two, well, a year and a half at least, is because he really wants to find out what women want. <laughs> he doesn't know. He's like, guys, please, I need an excuse to find out. I've been meaning to watch this documentary for years. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but you can also send us movie suggestions by contacting us at hmmpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and, you know, all the other good stuff, you know, there's plenty of stuff going on on the Facebooks and stuff. And there's a few other places where you can check us out. And I just cannot seem to remember what they are. Well, you can always find us on Twitter at hmnpodcast. You can find us on um, SoundCloud at um Horror Movie Night, oh, so soundcloud.com backslash horror movie night. You can rate, subscribe, and listen on iTunes. And uh, you can find us on Facebook. Uh, we have a great group going, um, Horror Movie Night Podcast. And it's got tons of weirdos that love to talk about all the same things that we like to talk about. 
Very much so. I, I love how interactive our fan base has become. Uh, and then finally, don't forget to hit up the Patreon, uh, patreon.com backslash HMN podcast. Uh, for all of your HMN needs, we are going to be doing our first convention in just a few months. We might even be doing a live event in a few months. Uh, that is to be determined still. And there's packages that have probably potentially already arrived to some people's houses Except by the time the, this episode comes out. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm almost wondering if everybody in the continental U.S. will have theirs. And then um, Adam will have his by that time too probably. And maybe, maybe the U.K. will get theirs. Uh, but guys, all I ask is if you have received a package, do us the pleasure of sharing what your favorite stuff was that you got in that package, so that you know people will see that we're not joking when we say that we're sending you a pretty nice collection of assorted goodies. Uh, we are not trying to shortchange anybody. We love how much you guys love horror movie night, and we wanted to show a little bit of appreciation for that as well. Uh, That's all I've got, so check us out next week. We're going to be talking about Suburban Commando, brother. (laughs) God damn it. Have a happy New Year's, guys. Yeah, I hope that you lived through it if it was evil. Evil. (laughs) Let's listen on the replay. Still there, buddy? <laughs> he's so pissed off that he's like, that one was the crampest talk. <laughs> Gone. What's up, everybody? This is Brian here to tell you about our podcast, Bingetown TV. Our hosts include seven best friends with a love for all things television. We cover a range of genres with a focus on fantasy and sci-fi, but also dip our feet into drama, horror, comedy, and pretty much anything we think is good television. We use the traditional deep dive formula for new live shows that are released week to week, but our calling card is our Rooks and Vets and Pitchtown TV series. Rooks and Vets pairs two of our hosts that have seen a show with two of our hosts that have not seen a show. Pitchtown TV is when we have a special guest pitch us a show by having us watch the pilot and trying to convince us to watch the rest. If you're craving more content on some of your favorite TV shows, then you should listen to Bingetown TV. Find us on our website at bingetowntv.com, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you may find your podcast. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.